Praise the Lord. Some of you will understand this. I'm feeling real strongly in the Holy Ghost that he wants us just to have a prayer service right now. But the reason I feel strongly about that is um, I just found out 10 minutes ago that I was supposed to speak this morning. <laughs> so you could be seated. And thankfully, I have a, a lesson that I have to finish. So, uh, here several weeks ago, I, I started teaching on um, altar working. And I'm going to finish that today, hopefully. And uh, it's, it's an important part of our service, working in the altar. You know, sometimes... A lot of times, I would say, we probably come to church on Sunday morning and <clears throat> we're not ready to work the altar. We're coming in, we're trying to get ourselves ready. And in essence, you know, we should be ready when we come to church to help someone pray through to the Holy Ghost. Um, and sometimes we lose sight of that fact and we come and we come to the altar and spend the time in I guess I'll call it selfish prayer maybe you know praying for ourselves not focusing outward not looking at other people and seeing where they're at and what they need in the Holy Ghost um, so <clears throat> You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit of review from what I covered last time, um, just so those of you that weren't here kind of pick up on the essence of this. Um, but there's, there's something exciting about being a part of praying for someone, and then they receive the presence of the Holy Ghost. They receive the Holy Ghost. They begin speaking another language. You'll sometimes see a, a, a quite a variety of um, responses to receiving the Holy Ghost. Some people might start to cry. Some people will start to laugh even. Some people um, take it as a very serious moment for them. Um, and it is because you're receiving the presence of God into your life, into your heart. Um, and that's the it's a changing experience for us and we first time you have that you get that feeling or you feel the Holy Ghost it's completely a new experience you've never felt anything and, and I hear people that uh, you know like people that used to do drugs or something that's the best high I've ever been on and well, they're comparing it to something that they're familiar with. Um, fortunately, I didn't get to say that. <laughs> I 
But it was the best thing that I'd ever felt. It was the best thing that I ever had happen to me is receiving the Holy Ghost. So it's really important for us to have an understanding of the need and the, the uh, how important it is that people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and how important it is for us to be careful when we're working with people at the altar. Now we know that we know that the devil likes to work in his playground. And his playground is right here. He likes to play in our mind and play tricks on us and various things. And I don't know about you, but I'm the type of a person that I really analyze things. I really think about things and, and I can overanalyze. I've done it many times. And I get myself into trouble sometimes when I overanalyze um, because I'm thinking so deeply on something and, I'm, and I'm, I get the feeling that, you know, maybe I'm wrong of, of doing something and, or whatever that case might be. And, and uh, he kind of locks me up. He locks up my thinking, um, affects my faith. Um, I'm trying to think of an example well, this is a real, <laughs> this actually happens to me quite often. And so I'm prepared for it when it happens. But a lot of people, like yesterday, we, we went to a, a funeral down in Scranton. Uh, and I'm, I ran into a lot of people that I hadn't seen in years, and a lot of them I didn't recognize. It's really embarrassing when they know you, but you don't know them. <laughs> but they'll say, you know, how you doing physically? They know you've been sick. And I said, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I just had a, a good report from Mayo, and, and things are looking up, and, you know, on and on. And, and then they'll say, uh, yeah, I just had, I just, my uncle just died of cancer. Well, thanks for the uplifting words. <laughs> Any more encouragement you might have? <laughs> yeah, my other uncle died too of cancer. And, you know, it's like, and they don't mean anything by it. They, it's the farthest thing from their mind to be discouraging you. But yet, if you're not in the right frame of mind, that can be very discouraging. Or let's say it's, I don't have a good report yet. And uh, they say something like that. So like if I, you know, when I went down to Mayo this last time, I've been having a lot of pain in, in the abdomen. And I was worried. You know, I was concerned that it was cancer. And uh, I mean, God's helped me a lot in that area and it was, it's not like it used to be where I would go into a panic. But I mean, I was concerned, you know, is that the cancer coming back? What's gonna happen? You know, it's kind of like, um, there was a time when I was in business with my brothers And I, um, 
we found out that we were on the wrong side of the law on some issues. And we didn't even been getting legal counsel on a lot of different things. And, and I started to get concerned. All of a sudden, my mind is, has me in jail doing Bible study from the inside. And so your mind can start taking you in those directions real quickly if, if you're not prayed up, filled up with the Holy Ghost, full of faith, knowing God's in control. And when God's in control, he's got it. You don't know how he's going to handle it. You don't know what's going to happen. But he's got it. So we have to be careful when dealing with people at the altar. Be careful what we whisper in their ear, if you will. Now, one of the things I want to mention here is, you know, when we have, let's say we have several people here praying for the Holy Ghost. And we have different groups of people. <laughs> I used to get a kick out of we used to have a newspaper here in town. It was called The Finder, and it was a lot of personal ads, things being sold. Car dealers had ads in them. You know, they'd have pictures of all their salesmen and all this. I got such a kick out of it because you just, if you'd pick out a salesman and circle his picture and follow him in The Finder, eventually he would work for every dealership. He would jump from one to the next. You know, one week uh, Chevrolet's the best car around and all the rest are junk, and the next week he's selling Cadillacs. And, and so these guys will hop around thinking it's greener on the other side of the fence, but it's never greener. Well, sometimes we do that praying for people at the altar. We jump from one person to the next and I've watched some of you go to each group you'll pray for a while and go to the next one go to the next one and it's like we either get tired of praying for that person or I'm not sure what our thinking is I've been guilty of it myself I think possibly that it probably would be best if we would go start praying for someone and stick with that person till they're done praying. Here's why. We should never go up and start praying for someone, first of all, not knowing where they're at spiritually. I don't remember all the exact details, but Years ago, well, probably 25, 30 years ago, we were in Florida, and we were in a church service. And there was a visitor there, a, a family. And they went to the altar to pray after the service, so I went up and started praying with them, and, and the husband was really praying and crying a lot at the altar 
And I assumed that he was repenting and da-da-da-da. Well, I found out after the service that he really wasn't a he, he was a she. And it was a, a lesbian couple and they had, one of them had kids and the kids were there and it looked like a, and it looked like a normal family. And I did not know that that was the case. I was talking to the pastor afterwards and he said he knew. He knew their situation. See, I probably should not have been praying for him. So when we go to pray for someone, we should know their situation. We should know where they're at spiritually. Maybe they've never prayed before. And we're up there praying for them and we're praying in our Pentecostal language and they're, they're sitting there thinking, what are they saying? You know, they're, they're telling me to hold on. Well, what am I supposed to hold on to? They're telling me to let go. What am I supposed to let go of? It can be confusing. And many times they're hanging on what we're saying because they don't know what's happening. They've never been in this situation before. It's all new to them. And we need to be careful because we can blow them out of the water. Literally. I mean, we, could, we can affect them in such a way that they might not want to come back. I don't know about you, but I, you know, when I was growing up, I used to be kind of the... I was afraid to ask questions because I was afraid I was going to get embarrassed. And, you know, you'll hear, you'll go to some meetings and you'll hear people say, well, there is no dumb question. Yeah, there are. <laughs> I'm sorry, there are dumb questions. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you can ask a question that can be embarrassing. Uh, so we have to be careful not to harm that person and cause them not to want to be embarrassed again. We want them to feel comfortable. We want them to feel the presence of God. We want them to feel something they've never felt before. Something powerful. Something that gets right down into their heart. Gets right into their soul. Something that they've never had happen before. That'll bring them back. But if they go away embarrassed and and feel like they were embarrassed, you might not get them back. You'd be amazed at how often the pastor has to rescue a wounded visitor because of something that took place. It, hap it happens quite often, actually. And there... There are some obvious things. You know, as a church, we have standards that we live by. We have holiness standards that we live by. But if I, first time Kieran was here, if I would have walked up to him and said, uh, you can't wear white shoes to church, he might have thought, what? 
But we have people that do say stuff like that sometimes. Oh, you shouldn't be wearing that to church. And here they are, they're just trying to figure things out with God. They're, they're wanting to repent and tell God they're sorry for their sins and they're being told how to dress. That's really, a, you know, you have to be so careful with that. It's not the time or the place. It, it has to be the right moment to be talking about those things. You, you know, usually it works best when they ask you questions about it because they've just given you permission to talk about it. So we need to use our thinking when, when we're uh, working with people, when we're working in the altar, because a lot of things can happen in the altar. A lot of spiritual things can happen in the altar. Um, Just a couple basic things. Um, we should pray appropriately. Uh, you know, it's not proper for a woman to walk up to a man that's first time visitor and lay hands on him. And, you know, if you're not married, I can understand, but <laughs> you don't want to lay hands on him. You don't want to, because you can set the wrong tone, you can get the, the wrong ideas can flow, and so we need to be careful there. We need to be careful, you know, I want to talk about this for a minute. We're, we're looking to receive the Holy Ghost. It's spiritual experience, and we will see a lot of different things when we have visitors coming in, and different lifestyles, some of them have been in drugs. Some of them have dealt with spirits, unclean spirits. And there are some of us here that have seen spirits, can feel different spirits. But I think we need to be oh so careful. We really don't, I don't think it's really, I don't think it's the church's responsibility, at least I can't find it in scripture, where we're to go tell people that they have a spirit on them. I mean, if they're possessed, that's one thing. If they're dealing with fighting with different spirits, that's another thing. But someone could be really struggling, feeling like they are being attacked by spirits. And just having the struggle of their life, trying to deal with this thinking, this mentality of, I got a spirit that's after me and it's, it's doing this to my life and da 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 da. And then someone walks up and whispers in their ear that they have a spirit on them. You see how that could set them back? And I'll go as far as to say that they don't necessarily have to be a new person. I've been in the church since uh, 
1984. If someone would have came to me in 1994, told me I had a spirit on me, it would have caused some problems. I would have had a struggle with it. I would have been living in fear. Thankfully, nobody ever did that to me. So I don't think it's really the time and the place at the altar to whisper to someone that they have a spirit on them. If you feel that and you feel real strongly about it, go tell the pastor. Let him make the call if they need to know about it or not. Sometimes there's a place for it probably, but um, most often I would say we just need to be praying with them. Notice I said with them, not at them. Because some people will take the opportunity to pray or preach their own little message while they're praying for someone. Be like me going up to Brother Doug and laying hands on him and, you know, oh God, Doug's got a ton of problems. You need to help him. And just, you know, tear him down. And some of it can even be personal. We can be thinking of this ourselves personally and it's not, it's not really the case. Maybe we're operating on some false information. Maybe we heard a rumor about Brother Doug and it's like, no. When we pray for people, we need to be praying for their edification for their lifting up, for their success, for their desires in living for God. You know, we don't want to be getting personal with our praying for them. Goodness, this is happening again. Page two of 20. When it comes time for altar call, don't go off and pray by yourself somewhere. Find someone to pray with. As a pastor, as a past pastor. <laughs> One of the most frustrating things is having people up here wanting to receive the Holy Ghost and I can't find any saints to pray with them. I shouldn't even have to really look, should I? It should be on your heart. When you come to church, you should be ready. You should be prepared to pray with someone. Don't come to church every week trying to fix yourself. Do that during the week. That's why it's so critical, so important that you have a good prayer life. So you can work on those issues, your personal private issues. So when you come to church, you have time to pray for people, other people, not yourself. 
When someone's seeking the Holy Ghost, we don't need to go up and interrupt them or bother them. And kind of back to what I was talking about there a little bit, if we're jumping from person to person um, and praying for them, we, ha we have to know where they're at. So it's, how do you, you know, you go up and interrupt them each time. Now, let's say there's five of us that are wandering around praying for different people. They're going to get interrupted five times. Maybe they'll get interrupted right when they're so close to receiving the Holy Ghost. And we come up and interrupt them just to find out where they're at. And it, but there's been someone praying with them from the start. They already know where they're at. You understand what I'm saying? We want to be able to help these people. And constant interruption, is, it's hard to deal with. I, I, you know, years ago, I used a, a study on cell phones. And it said in there that when you're interrupted on the job by your cell phone, by a text, it takes a full 20 minutes to get back to where you were before the text, mentally. To be reconnected with your work and reconnected with what you're doing, that interruption lasts up to 20 minutes. Well, they would effectively be interrupted the whole altar service then. If there's five people going around interrupting them, asking them for information, and you know, where are you at? How, you know, how are things going? What's, what's happening in your life? That kind of thing. And believe it or not, some of these people that come to church and are seeking the Holy Ghost, they want some direction. So there should be someone there helping them guiding them and giving them direction. And I've seen this happen. Someone will come to the altar. They will start praying. A group will gather around them and start praying for them. And then I'll, I'll look back a little bit later in the altar service, and they're all alone. They're standing over here all by themselves trying to pray. What happened to everybody? Where, where'd everybody go? Are they on to the next person? Did they decide to just go sit down and be a spectator? We shouldn't leave guests hanging trying to connect with God even if we just stand there and be with them and pray with them not at them or whatever but you know that one of the best ways to pray in an altar call is to just go up front stand up there by someone and start to worship because worship brings the presence of the Holy Ghost and that's what we're trying to do, is get them to receive the Holy Ghost. So it would make sense that we would worship, bring in the presence of God. You know, and sometimes 
you know, we would, I, I sometimes tell people, you know, I would love to be able to take the guest, the first time guest, and tie him up and baptize him. But it wouldn't do any good. Some of them might start fighting. <laughs> and we want them to receive it right now, as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. That's in God's hands. He's the giver of the Holy Ghost. And so it's in his court when they receive the Holy Ghost. In their court, it's between them and him. All we can do is entertain the presence of God, let him come in and work in their hearts. Maybe they didn't receive the Holy Ghost because they haven't fully repented yet. Maybe God's wanting them to get a little closer. Maybe God's wanting them to get hungry a bit. Maybe God wants them to desire him in a greater way before he... You know, it's kind of like that old adage, you know, where you, if you give a kid everything they want, it soon doesn't mean much to them. Or you can give a kid a car. And Ch you know, Chandler would love that if his dad would give him a car. But if, if they're constantly given things, they aren't thankful for it. They don't take care of it. Maybe if God gives someone the Holy Ghost too soon, they won't take care of it. And by that I mean maybe they won't pray like they should. Maybe they won't get in the word like they should. But if they have to work for it, and I know it's a gift, I know that, but there's something about having to seek after, to seek diligently. Sometimes in prayer there's violence. And sometimes it takes that. The birthing process is not, in the physical, is not easy. It's a difficult thing. And it's the same way in the spiritual world. It it's, uh, can be difficult. It can be hard. But maybe that's where God's bringing people to so that they are appreciative, that they are thankful for the Holy Ghost. And they don't want anything else in life. And maybe sometimes it takes a while for us to reach that in our own personal walk with God. And we have to be careful that we don't unintentionally instruct guests to seek the experience rather than God. We need to instruct them in a way that teaches them that the ultimate is the relationship with God. It's not speaking in tongues, but it's the walk with God. It's the relationship, the day in and day out living. That's where it's at. Usually it's best to, uh, you know, with a, with a guest, is if you can, get them sit up front because there's a lot of distractions in back. I know, we sit back there. If I wasn't 
accustomed to zeroing in on the Holy Ghost, and it can be very distracting. I get to see everybody that goes to the bathroom four times a service. So things like that can be distracting. So it would be for a guest also. Just as the guest is getting connected to the preacher and starting to feel the spirit. Somebody gets up and walks out and interrupts the flow of the service. As an altar worker, you should get to the altar. Should be the first one, get there. Don't wait back and wait for any visitors that might go up. Just go to the altar because you might influence a visitor to go to the altar. They would feel more comfortable. It's usually best to stand behind the seeker. <laughs> I just had a picture in my mind of a precious saint that's, we got, a, we got someone up here seeking the Holy Ghost and there's probably 10 people around them praying and this precious saint is standing right directly in front of the seeker just staring at him. Not praying. No error, just staring at him. And they open their eyes and they kind of look and clo they close them right away. But you know they're thinking about this. I would be. It's best behind them. Or if you need to see their face, if you're talking to them or praying with them, be at their side rather than directly in front of them. Don't startle them. You know, I've startled people when I went up to pray for them, and I, it just bothers me when that happens. Um, so we don't want to startle them either. Um, sometimes it works well to pick out a phrase or a word that you can repeat but you don't want to be, you don't want it to be mechanical though. Like let's just say, hallelujah. You don't want that to become mechanical and just become a repetition. You want to say that from the heart, but sometimes that'll help you to focus. It'll help you, help you to maintain focus on that guest that's, that's praying. Start praying quietly. You know, some people have a booming voice and they, I mean, they'll rock you to your heels if they get in your ear. But we should start out praying quietly. You know, we've talked about 
you know, when we're praying for people and, you know, when people get really loud and they're screaming, they're spitting. That's what they got these things on there. They're called spit guards, you know. But we don't have any of these that fit over people's heads. <laughs> so we want to be careful. And, you know, a mint is always helpful if uh, you feel like you have bad breath. For some reason, there's nothing that'll shut down the Holy Ghost like bad breath. As an altar worker, we want to learn to read where people are at, uh, what level they're at in their prayer, so that we can fit in with where they're at and not make them uncomfortable. Um, recognizing their present status. Remember, man is naturally hungry for God. We're just really good at hiding it. We're really good at putting it off. Even as saints, we can put turn that off. Um, but, you know, as you're coming to God, we always talk about that empty place. That place that's meant for the Holy Ghost. And people are trying to fill that. They sometimes want to fill it with material things or whatever the case might be, and they don't quite recognize that that's God wanting to be the focus of their life. That's God wanting them to have a relationship with Him. And don't I don't know why, but mankind is really good at trying to turn that off trying to hide that hungry place. Now, I said this earlier, a new person, a seeker, usually <clears throat> doesn't know a lot about prayer. And so they're seeking direction. You know, we can walk them through different things. We, can we try to walk them through repentance because they won't receive the Holy Ghost without repentance. And so we got to bring them to that place. When we, when, when you can see the presence of God on someone in their, when they're at the altar praying, you can maybe see the effect on their face. Uh, they might get stammering lips. Um, you know it's the Holy Ghost. Don't be afraid to let them know that. That's the Holy Ghost on you. That's the Spirit of God on you. Encourage them with that, that God is working with them and trying to work with them. He wants them to have the Holy Ghost. We never want someone to feel like God's against them, because he's not. He's willing that none should perish. He doesn't want anyone lost. 
We want the seeker to feel if he's really feeling the presence of the Holy Ghost. We want him to feel that. And, and we want him to realize that he's in touch with God. That God is right there. Let's see, I wanted to get to... Uh... We need to bring them to a place that they ask God for forgiveness. Bring them into worship. The Spirit always responds to worship. We want to bring them to that place. We want them to be able to lose themselves in God. Now that's, therein is one of the reasons why we shouldn't always be interrupting or talking to them. Because it's kind of hard to get lost in God when someone's talking to you and interrupting or whatever. You want, you want to worship with them so that they come to a place where they kind of lose consciousness, if you will, of all that's going on around them. A lot of times that's when they receive the Holy Ghost. Now, yes, they come to church and they have problems. The seeker has problems. That's the majority of the reason people come to God is they got problems. I came to God because I had cancer. I had a problem I needed help with. And the only one I knew that had a cure for it was God. Sometimes people don't receive the Holy Ghost because there's a lack of thorough repentance. Maybe they're holding on to some things and they aren't letting go. They aren't turning it over to God. It could be doubt. There could be some doubt in their life. And you will probably have, if you're working the altar, at some point, you will probably have someone tell you that they don't have enough faith to receive the Holy Ghost. What do you tell them? How about trying this? Tell them they have too much faith. What do you mean, too much faith? They believe so strongly that they're not going to get the Holy Ghost, that they're not going to get the Holy Ghost. And that's kind of faith in reverse. We can look to scriptures, we can give them scriptures on the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And you can watch people, when, when you see a person that's continually repenting, for the same thing, they have not accepted God's forgiveness. Forgiving is up to God, not to them. So for a person to say, God's not forgiving me because of this or that or because of me or whatever, that's not up to them. He's more than willing to forgive. 
He was so willing to forgive that he died on the cross. And people have preconceived notions of what it's going to be like when they receive the Holy Ghost. And I told you this one story, and it was a true story. A guy had the conception, or the, the, he perceived that when he received the Holy Ghost, he was going to see a ball of fire. So God sent an electrical storm. Lightning struck the transformer, it exploded, and he just happened to be looking out the window and he started speaking in tongues. You know, God will sometimes meet us where we're at. But that was not scriptural. But there was that preconceived idea that it was. Um, <clears throat> they can perceive that maybe they need to be in a certain place to receive the Holy Ghost. And that's not true. You can be any place. Um, you can be in a construction site. You can be on top of a building. You can be driving down the highway. You can receive the Holy Ghost anywhere. A seeker might be shy. I've noticed this in my ministry that people that are outgoing, extrovert, they receive the Holy Ghost just like that. They're loud. But then you have someone that's shy and reserved and it's not as easy for them to receive the Holy Ghost. Sometimes people will beg for the Holy Ghost, and we don't want to do that. Begging is just doubt. We should give him thanks and praise for giving us the Holy Ghost. Let's stand. Well, there's so, you know, I could, go, I could do less than three. But let's be mindful of the guest. Mindful that they're here for a reason. And we need to do our best to reach them. We need to be mindful of where they're at. Lord bless you. Thank you for putting up with my on-the-spot teaching. Lord bless you. Let's have a good service.